Welcome to the Decisions That Matter podcast, where we meet with leaders from across the procurement community to discuss innovative and strategic ideas. Because when it comes to procurement, every decision matters. Welcome to the Decisions That Matter podcast. I'm joined here today by Bernadette Lani, my co-host, and I'm also joined by Jen Myers. Uh, Jen is the procurement manager for the city of Tucson in Arizona. Super glad to have her here today. For a little bit of background, for those of you who might not know, Jen was the 2020 NIGP Young Professional Award recipient. So a rising star and a a face that I think a lot more people have um, seen over the last couple of years and will continue to see in in the near future. So I'm super happy to have Jen on the podcast today. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Jen. Thanks for having me. Do you mind starting out by just giving us all a little bit of background about what drew you to procurement and public service in the first place and sort of how your career has transformed and grown over the last several years? Absolutely. So I actually completed my degree in 2012, kind of finished school and hadn't was had this break and then finally, you know, went back and finished my degree and then thought, okay, now I need to find a, you know, a big kid job with my degree. So I applied with the city of Tucson as an administrative assistant because those were roles that I knew and I had been very familiar with um, and was kind of my foot in the door into the city. And I started out as an administrative assistant in the P-Card program. And I remember after they called me and asked if I would be interested in interviewing and I said, sure, I hung up the phone. I said to my husband, what's a (laughs) P-Card? So like most people, I kind of stumbled into procurement, um, started as an administrative assistant um, for about three months with the PCARD program, then switched over to the contract program. And from there, what grew very interested was like, oh, hey, you know, how do I do this? Who can I shadow? Let me learn a little more and and move my way up to a couple years in i promoted to a contract officer a year later to a senior contract officer um, about two years later i received my certification from the uppcc for my certified public professional buyer um, and promoted to a principal contract officer and this year promoted to a procurement manager awesome that's that's a good Great story and great trajectory. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned not, not knowing what it was when you begin, because I, I think a common thread we sometimes hear is, is people who say, yeah, I didn't, I didn't necessarily grow up when I was seven years old wanting to be a procurement specialist, or I didn't even necessarily know what it was when I was in college. Um, but it's funny when people get into the role, it tends to be the kind of thing where you like on a day-to-day basis, you really are solving complex problems or dealing with like interesting situations it tends to, for a lot of people, you get to cross into multiple businesses or agencies or you're, one day you're dealing with the fire and and police and the next day you're dealing with water and transportation and like you kind of get to touch a lot of things that people in in more siloed roles might not actually get to do. I feel like you just described my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Definitely. I think that's the one thing that I really love about working with the city is, you know, when I first applied at the city it was like oh here's this job that will you know be great and I can retire from and I had no idea really what I was walking into and and the culture that 
would be created not only at the city but in the procurement profession um, nationwide is is amazing and you're always set up for success you meet a lot of people and so i've really grown to absolutely love the profession and and grow at even at the city and and the part that i love is, you know, when people ask me, what do you do? My husband always says, oh, she buys things. It's the perfect job for her. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I do more than buy things. You know, because of my job, I'm doing the background things that allow fire and police to do their job. Um, the, the equipment that when they go out to a job, you know, fire, the monitors that they're buying to make sure that they can save your life, I bought those. And they can't do that without having those, you know, that equipment for their job. So it's kind of rewarding in that sense, you know, procurement is definitely one of those, nobody knows it's happening, it's always in the background, you know, those um, unsung heroes that they say, um, but it's definitely rewarding in that sense, knowing that someone else can do their job because I did my job. Yeah, and we, we always say here that the decisions that you guys are making really do matter. And we our, our slogan is because every decision matters. and. The, the reason I think we believe in that is when you think about sort of the chain of what you're doing is you are buying things for the people that really are making those life-changing decisions, whether it's fire, police, even something like roads or um, like purchasing of salt so that the roads can be safe when it snows or like all kinds of, th not in Arizona, I guess. Right. Not it snows here. once every decade or whatever, but um, so all those things though, they do really add up and it's, it does impact everybody from the people in your office all the way down to the taxpayer who's just taking advantage of those things you're purchasing. So um, I like it. It's really not hyperbolic to say that those decisions you're making like really do matter and impact everybody's life. Yeah. So I love what you were saying earlier, Jen, about how you found this like community within procurement and a place that you can really grow your skill set and expand. And um, one of the things we'd love to talk to you about today is just like learning more about your career growth. Um, so how do you feel like you've been able to grow and if it's easier to talk about it, like maybe jumping from one role to the next, you know, what did that transition look like? How do you feel like you've been able to, um, expand within, within your roles? Absolutely. So definitely some of that was, you know, growing at the city with different roles. Um, starting out as an administrative assistant with the P card, you know, I kind of got my, my toe wet per se into the profession and kind of learned a little bit about, you know, like what are people at the city buying when they're using a P card and, and how does that relate to the contracts? You know, are they actually using the contracts that are in place when they're making purchases or are they just going and buying what they want? Cause they have this credit card that quote has an endless amount of money attached to it that really doesn't. And so that's kind of what got me interested in the contracting piece. And of course, somebody retired, so I had that opportunity to move over and so took advantage of it and really started learning from the get go. And the nice thing about learning it from being coming in at that administrative assistant role is you're the support staff. So you, you see it in a different way. And then moving to the contract officer role actually made it a lot easier for me than probably some that come in and start at that role as the entry level, because I already had the background knowledge of the process. Now it was just actually applying it because now I'm doing a different role in that. And so from there, as you get better, or as I got better, I was able to promote and take on more complex projects 
um, and then reach out and get certification because I was able to apply the knowledge that I had learned to a test to receive that certification. And within that also, you know, getting involved with my local chapter and, and connecting with other professionals, not just within the city, but for us, all of Southern Arizona and, and, and learning from them as well and making those connections and, and eventually getting to a point where it was like, hey, let's, you know, make some connections on the national level, get involved there and just really growing um, from that. Awesome. I love that um, your point about being in an assistant role gave you like a really unique perspective and actually set you up to be better once you're actually um, in the like director or manager role there. Um, great lesson for anyone out there listening who maybe is, you know, in that part of their career in procurement. I think that's that's really inspiring. Can you think of something that once you moved in um, to that main role, having that assistant perspective kind of like set you up better? I know you'd mentioned a better like understanding of process. Um, but can you like think of anything, you know, back in that time of your career that you feel like that really set you up for success there? Definitely. Um, one of the things that I strive with knowing that, you know, I had just gotten my degree, the administrative assistant was something I always had done and kind of, you know, was interested in growing, um, within the city. And so it was like, well, here's this perfect path lined for me. I just have to, you know, take the leap and do it. So I started job shadowing other contract officers as much as I could so that I wasn't only doing my job, but I was learning what they were doing and, and asking those questions and, and trying to get a better understanding of what is it that you do so that when you do hand that file to me and I'm doing my piece of it so that you can continue doing your piece of it. Where is the, where's that line? Like, what am I missing, you know, from my role as the assistant, you know, what is it that you do that I'm obviously not doing to support, you know, I'm only supporting you. So can you talk me through some of that? And I would say that's really kind of what made me interested. And when eventually a position opened up and went through a recruitment process was successful, was having that openness and willingness to kind of learn beforehand and and take the initiative to job shadow and go to meetings when I was able to and and really not just be their support but actually pretend like I was doing their job. I'm sure that helps you become such a more um, strategic partner to them. Yes and well-rounded I would say because by the time that I promoted obviously I had to be replaced so when new staff came in at that administrative assistant role, I was not only learning my job, but I was able to teach them their job, as well as if they were interested, train some of the things that I was currently learning and make them successful to move up. And we actually had people similar to me who started in that administrative assistant role and have moved up in the organization as well. That's really awesome. That's really, that's, that's really great. Um, did you have, I want to say favorite, but with a lot of the different partnerships that you guys have, was there one when you were job shadowing, shadowing that was just like really interesting to you or any kind of like fun stories during that time that of things that surprised you? Let's see. So I would say one that I probably even hate now, but job shadowed back then, a few, you know, a handful of years ago was our towing contract. And it's one of those that's very high political, um, is very watched. And so I, I watched the process as it happened through the entire thing. Um, we went through an entire re, like not classification, but redoing that entire RFP. 
um, a few years ago. And so now this last year I had, well, actually <laughs> a little bit longer than that. I, that contract became mine. And it's one of those contracts, like I said, very highly political. So as I went through the process, I actually ended up having a protest that we denied, that they appealed, and we went to a hearing. And ultimately the city won, but it's one of those things that I feel that if I had not job shadowed that early on and followed that process, it would not have set me up for success when it was actually mine. So that's probably one of the ones that I take away the most. And as much as I really hate that contract and anyone that works with me will, will tell you that, um, I do love the vending community. They're great people to work with, but they are very loud and not afraid to speak their mind. And is um, that one a, a single supplier that gets the award or is it a no, handful? Or? So the Arizona community, um, vending community, has gone to the legislature and asked for different things to be put into place. So you can only hold one contract per entity. So we had to take three contracts and put them into one contract so that vendors could hold more than one group, but it was only under one contract. That's interesting. That contract is a handful, I would say. It's, it's got a lot of pieces to it and, and everybody wants a bite of it. <laughs> That's a great example of when, uh, when your husband just tells people that you buy things. It's like, yeah. well, if you really want to hear about the nuance of this job, <laughs> let me tell you about the restructuring of our contracts. Yeah. There's a lot Let me tell you about my towing contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that you, part of their kind of growth process was joining in the local Southern Arizona chapters of NIGP. Can you give an example or just speak to sort of ways that you've personally been like challenged and grown through that partnership? Sort of what the process of those group meetings are or what you guys are trying to accomplish as a, as a group together? Yeah, absolutely. So at our local chapter, obviously it's, um, you know, a bunch of procurement professionals getting together and our focus is always education. So we meet nine times a year, um, once a month for an hour and a half, we have an hour of education and then an hour, a half an hour of business meetings. And so that hour of education, we always try to focus, you know, on trending topics in procurement, um, anything interesting that somebody might have bought, fraud we've had you know people from fbi present we've had some interesting speakers you know we had somebody from the university of arizona because they're local here in tucson as well come and talk about a purchase that they made of a microscope that is used basically nationwide so different things and so a few years into that i decided i was like you know what i'm going to get involved I need to do more than just attend these meetings so i ran for secretary of the board and was successful and within that first year of being a secretary i was sent to the nigp leadership development symposium conference and i learned so much and i would say that was probably the beginning of kind of my real career growth was attending that so it was a, a leadership class and then later that year, I attended the University of Arizona Eller Executive Leadership Program for um, public entities. And that was all within a few months of each other. And so I took what I learned from those two things and applied it to not only my job and my chapter, but also my personal life and was able to really 
kind of hone in on my skills and and work on my skills instead of you know trying to work with a team and figure out well where do I lack that I can fit in or or so forth but really just focus on myself for a little while and that was really rewarding which I think ultimately resulted in later that year I um, you know obtained my certification and promoted again so different things like that that I think pushing myself out of my comfort zone to get involved were probably part of that success. It really does seem like one of those unique communities where everybody's working to gain knowledge and, and become an expert and learn as much as they can. But even the people who've been doing it for 20, 25, 30 years, who are definitively experts, I'd say pretty much a fact, I'd call them an expert, you'd call them an expert, we all would. They're still in that mode of like, yeah, but I could learn something else. I could read another article or I could, oh, I, I'm on the West Coast, I could learn something from this person on the East Coast, or like there's so many people that are just willing to trade thoughts and trade ideas and share their experiences. It's, it's really pretty great to see. You said, Jen, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you didn't jump into this saying like, oh, I'm going to run for a leadership position, you know, as soon as I join this group. Like you were attending, you were participating, you were just gaining knowledge and, and gaining through discussion. And then that's when you felt like more compelled to do it, that it's like, you don't have to like tackle everything at once. You really can just like jump in and um, just make the most of it and then decide where you want to go from there. Absolutely. So definitely I probably attended the chapter for two years before I was like, you know what, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to get involved. And, and I did. And then about two years so I, I served my two-year term, and then that following year, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get involved at the national level, and, and did, you know, and, and got involved in our pipeline and placement committee with NIGP, and now I'm currently the chair of that committee, and I'm also serving now as the president of the local chapter of the Copper Chapter of NIGP, and so pushing myself outside of that comfort zone, you know, where it was like, okay, I kind of sat back, I learned a little um, and then I did my two years on the board in, in the secretary role and then took a year off, um, joined at the, the institute level and then came back and I was like, you know what, I feel great about this. I've learned a lot in the last few years and I'm going to run for president and I was successful and just this year. So I started in January, um, then a pandemic happened. We had been talking about making our meetings virtual and had been trying to work through that. And now we're 100% virtual. Thankfully, the pandemic helped some of that. However, now we're, as we start to discuss moving back into in-person meetings, we wanna make sure that that virtual piece never goes away. And so it's kind of exciting to see different things like that. Yeah, definitely. And um, I do think some, some wins have come out of this situation that we're in. I'd like to ask one last question kind of in this local chapter front. Um, I think it's like such a great opportunity to, to kind of like test out your, your leadership shoes. You know, like I think it's like an area that you can really grow a lot. Not that there's not some risk associated with it, but it's like a little bit different than maybe like jumping into like a really big leadership position in your actual day job. Are there any big like learning lessons that you were able to learn in terms of just like becoming a leader through these chapters that you would be interested in sharing? Definitely, there are. Um, I think the thing that was the biggest win for me personally was once I joined the board, within a couple of months, I was sent to that leadership development symposium 
um, conference. It, it's now called the Chapter Academy. And so I have attended both, one in my secretary role and one in my president role. But I think being able to put myself out there and do that and then being able to attend that conference was what really helped develop me. Um, like I said, I spent the first two years kind of participating, you know, on some of the smaller committees, kind of watching, learning a little bit more as to what our chapter was all about, you know, taking in all of the education. But then when I finally was like, okay, I'm going to get involved, I went from being involved to almost skyrocketing overnight. And a little bit of it during that time is a little scary, but it's the things that I've taken away from that experience have made me successful as I, in my career as I've grown each year. What's something that was like kind of scary during that time? Was definitely the thought of this is outside of my comfort zone. I'm, you know, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not going to get involved. I'm, you know, I, I kind of like being in the background. I kind of like sitting there and, and any of my friends that say that would hear this piece of it, they'd be like, no, Jen always is right up in front and wants to be involved. But like anyone, I still have those little butterflies in my tummy that are saying, what are you doing? What are you mm -hmm. thinking right now? They're rumbling around. And so as scary as it was, it has benefited me more than what the scariness was at the time. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think Jerry Seinfeld had an old, old joke was that they did a survey and the, um, the number two fear of the average person is death. The number one fear is public speaking. So they'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. So <laughs> I think most people can, even if you're seasoned, you can relate to the jitters a little bit. Right. Um, so we mentioned um, as sort of in the, we were talking about the, um, at the chapters, how important this um, communication and community and these relationships are. Can you tell us, um, do you have a mentor or somebody who's helped you along this path? And, and if so, can you tell us um, how you built that relationship or how that all kind of came to be? Yeah, so I do currently have a mentor. My mentor is actually not in the procurement profession. And I will share that when I started, of course, I had all the people that I worked with that, you know, were molding me and mentoring me, but I had direct and every single day contact with them. They knew what I did. They had done it before, you know, they were my bosses. And so as much as I learned from them, I wanted to reach to someone outside of that. And I struggled before I approached my mentor um, and asked her, and I thought, how is this person going to help me if I want to stay in the procurement profession because she's not in the procurement. She has a finance background. She's actually our assistant city manager and chief financial officer. And so I struggled with, well, what will she do for me? And I spoke with a friend about it and she finally said, well, you don't know what she'll do for you. Maybe she'll help you in other areas. So you'll never know if you don't ask her. And finally I was like, you're absolutely right. I just need to take a leap of faith. And if she's not interested, she'll tell me. She's going to say no, but maybe talk to this person. And I remember when I asked her, I approached her and said, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I have a kind of personal question for you. And she was like, sure, let's talk. And I said, you know, I've, I've really been giving this a lot of thought and I really like your management style. And I was hoping that maybe you would consider mentoring me. And she almost started crying. And I said, don't cry because I will cry too. And so we both laughed. And we've had this relationship for almost two years now. We meet once a month and 
I have grown as a, a person, as a professional. She has taught me to be a better manager. So when I'm working with my team, she has taught me different things on managing down as well as managing up. We've had those kinds of conversations, how to have some of those courageous conversations. And it has really, really benefited me. And I would say that the team that I work with now, not only our division is amazing, but the, the team that I currently have, we just meld so well together. And we are able to have those conversations sometimes, but they're not awkward and they're not uncomfortable because we both kind of may know it's coming you know, or we kind of hit it right at the beginning so that it doesn't get to that point. And so even during the pandemic, I would say like our team, we meet once a week for about a half an hour where we do not talk work. And that's my rule is we, we're gonna get together, we're gonna catch up with each other because we don't see each other anymore, you know, in the office because we're all working virtually from home. So let's get together, let's have that, you know, camaraderie that we would normally have when we're all sitting together and let's kind of just reconnect. And I would say doing that, I've actually seen my team thrive more working from home than, than some people I've heard that have struggled with people working from home where it's like, I can't ever get a hold of them. I can't talk to them. You know, I don't know what they're doing where I don't have that with my team. I have that trust with them that they're doing what they need to be doing. And they're able to connect with me at any point. And it, again, I'm making myself available to them. And I would say having my mentor, she has taught me a lot of that, as well as those people that were my bosses in the procurement profession, they taught me that. Having someone like that to report to made and melded me into the manager that I am today. It's so interesting hearing you describe that because I feel like the things that you're talking about are like exactly the type of things we're trying to work on too. So it's it's a nice reminder that there's obviously things that are very unique to the public sector where like regulations or guidelines or things you might have to do that aren't applied to private companies. But the thing like we're about an hour away from having like a Fridays at four little get together where we all just hang out and do non-business things or even the way you described your mentorship or the mentor relationship, you talked about how, like, what, how is it beneficial to you? And I think I'm sure she would say it too. It's, I'm sure it's beneficial to your mentor as well. And she gets to pass on knowledge down to you. And I'm sure even like, it probably reframes the way she's thinking about some questions of like, she's like, I know how to do this, but how would I describe it to somebody else? Or like, I've experienced this, but how would I translate that into advice for somebody um, and I, I really think the way you describe that relationship is probably what most people who are either have a good mentor relationship or are out there looking for one, what they're looking for is that like, even though we're not maybe the same age or we haven't been in this industry at the same time, um, we're peers in the sense that we're going to like trade information and ask each other questions and, and have that symbiotic relationship. So that, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, definitely. I would say, so she was, when I asked her and approached her, she was actually our interim director, as well as the assistant city manager and chief financial officer. So she was very stretched thin already. So when she agreed, I was excited and felt bad. Because, and I said to her, I said, you know, if you want to do this after hours or however, I'm open to anything, I will make myself available to you. And so we chose the lunch hour, we would, you know, leave the building and we would go out somewhere to lunch. But one of the things that I really found helpful 
was obviously a mentor or somebody that you can complain to also when things are not going correct and they will help direct you. And the thing that I loved about her is even when I was having issues in my role and, and reporting up or there were th problems happening, whatever may have been, she could give me that advice and say, well, why don't you try asking these questions or why don't you look at the this way and then approach it this way you know and she and she would empower me to not be afraid to ask those questions that nobody wanted to be asked but the nice part was that even though she was our director and she knew what was going on she never stepped in she always said you know when it comes to me we'll deal with it from there but she never overstepped as hey, I'm the director and I'm gonna take care of this. It was, no, this is your issue and you need to do this. But I think on her end, it also made her a little more aware of things that were happening so that by the time that it did get to her, she mm -hmm. had a, a bigger picture than just what maybe one person was sharing with her. So I think too, it was also, I agree with you, it was very beneficial for her. And I'm sure, you know, she would probably share different things as to what it, how it has helped her. But that, from my perspective, that has, one of the things that has been very, very beneficial is that she has helped us get to places to solve those things without stepping in and just saying, this is the direction that I want everyone to go. Yeah, and that, I like that point a lot because I think, especially with the example of being able to vent to her, all venting is not created equal. So there's the venting of like, hey, I'm over this place, I'm ready to quit, I'm leaving, which it, I don't think is what you were doing since you're smaller, no. <laughs> which is the like, hey, I love this place. I want to work here and I want everything that like, like I'm noticing little things that I think could be better and I'm venting about it so we can improve them. Like how would you go about taking this process and improving it or we're having this one management issue. How would you approach talking to this person? Like that type of thing. It's like, it comes out of a place of like caring and, and loving what you do versus the opposite, which. Yeah, and I think that also points to a good mentor selection in terms of someone who like knows enough what's going on but is like far enough removed whether functionally or vertically that it's not so like intense so it's not like you're like venting and then you're like running into them in the break room or like the zoom room or something <laughs> something <laughs> that um there's a little bit more of that um like safe space feel to it yes and i definitely anyone i would even the advice i give to people all the time when when looking for a mentor is don't be afraid to ask someone, anyone, because here I am in my small little role and I reached out to an assistant city manager that I admired and was, I mean, I, I really reached for the top and it worked out in my favor. It may not always, and that's okay, but don't be afraid to ask. And I would say that's something that I learned from that it was successful and if it hadn't been she would have probably pointed me to another person that she would have recommended i was going to say the literal worst case scenario is that you're exactly where you started which is them not being your mentor so not asking is the same as asking and being shut down yeah and it's not that. like she's gonna be like how dare you what mean right. <laughs> what are you thinking yeah awesome well that's been like thank you for taking us on your career journey and sharing so much like you know insightful little nuggets and, and stories i think that's really, really, really valuable. So thank you. We'd love to hear about kind of transitioning a little bit. So you did all that work. You are where you are now. You know, what are you most excited about in your role right now? What are you working on? Um, we'd love just to kind of 
yeah, just hear, hear where things are at with you in Tucson. Definitely. Um, so one thing I'm excited for the city of Tucson currently for my own little shameless plug is hiring, uh, five new people. So we've kind of gone through that. We had people, they learned a lot of the city and they've moved on to bigger and better things, which is awesome. And, and you're always excited to see somebody move on to a bigger role. Um, we've had two people leave similar to what in my role that are now directors, which is amazing. And in my opinion, speaks a lot for the city of Tucson because some of those people started at the city in procurement and now they're a director at another entity. And so that's, you know, really exciting um, for us, you know, to, to be able to bring on new people and get them, you know, moving in that career is, is super exciting. Um, but one thing back to the pandemic, ha making things happen, we had been talking going to electronic submittals for almost as long as I've been working with the city, which is eight years. So it's definitely a conversation that's been happening and has been happening. And I participated at the city in a Ignite Academy, where it was a 10 month program that you learned a lot of things about being a supervisor, emotional intelligence, um, you know, those courageous conversations. And part of that program was taking a project and implementing it at the city of Tucson. So one of the people in my class worked in the police lab. And so her goal was to go paperless. So they went completely paperless during that transition. And so my goal was to go to electronic submittals and it didn't happen during the class, but it was a conversation that we were having and we were getting closer to. And then the pandemic happened and it was, well, no one's in the building, so we can't, we cannot accept any hand-delivered submittals, not to mention our mail is being held for 24 hours to make sure that there's nothing attached to the package and it's safe before it gets handed over to an employee. So now we, we have no idea what's coming in. We don't know if it's there by the deadline. What do we do? We're all working from home. Okay, Jen, that electronic submittal thing you were going to do, make it happen. And so I did some testing very quickly and we rolled it out to staff and we're still working through, you know, some issues and, and some small nuances, but it's been successful. And I've, as I'm reaching out now, getting a little more settled and working from home, there's other entities who are also implemented that during the pandemic. So it's learning from them. What did you learn? You know, if you've already been doing it, what did it take when you, ha when it happened? Um, you know, what things, what are your lessons learned that I can come back and apply to what I'm still implementing and working through? Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. I think people from all levels um, or any part of their journey in procurement can take, or outside of procurement, honestly, can take some great lessons from this, uh, great advice. So thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Decisions That Matter. This podcast is brought to you by Procurated, the leading supplier evaluation tool for procurement professionals across the U.S. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. See you again next time.